Hello and welcome to the Trek It podcast, where we talk about everything outdoor related from kit and locations to stories and the people behind them. Whether you're a walker, climber, mountaineer or just someone that loves being outside, you can find all the kit and advice for your next adventure on our website, which is www.trekit.co.uk. Or you can actually come and speak to a real person right here in our service centre in Hereford. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Trek It podcast. We're here today uh, in the Hereford Service Centre as usual and I'm joined today by a very special guest. This is Mungo and uh, say hello Mungo. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, we're going to be talking to Mungo about his life basically, what he does, what he gets up to, how he got into it, all that kind of stuff and I'll, uh, I'll let him introduce himself fully in a moment but uh, yeah so we're here with Harry as usual behind the lens. Harry has ventured out in front of the lens recently so you'll be seeing a lot more of Harry and probably a lot less of me but that's another story. Uh, we have coffee, we have flapjack. We do, well mine's gone actually both. Yeah Mungo's just I've completely I, wolfed it. I inhaled them, <laughs> I inhaled yeah. it. on my left nostril. <laughs> yeah. I've still got some flapjack left which I'm trying to avoid eating because it'll probably get stuck in my throat and I'll cough and I'll splutter. And uh, I just apologise for the slightly uh, sniffy, nasally voice. I've had uh, a bit of a lurgy over the Christmas period, but uh, I'm up and about again. I'm really pleased to be here, uh, back in the studio. So, Mungo, do you want to just dive into who you are? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a cameraman. Have been a cam. Well, I'm not a cameraman. I'm a human being. <laughs> Um, I've got a life outside of my work, but for my work, which is what I'm known for really, uh, is being an adventure cameraman. Uh, so I've been a cameraman for now, I think 28 years. So quite a long time. Um, been there, done it, bought the t-shirt, had yeah. the series, written the books, kind of done a bit of everything now. Um, yeah, so I've, yeah, had an interest in life. I, I, I was saying to you earlier, wasn't I, that it's the kind of work where often it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Because it's fun, yeah. what I do. I'm very, very lucky. Um, and I don't take it for granted how lucky I am. Um, and often, yeah, the jobs I would do for free, but don't tell them that. <laughs> don't tell anyone that. <laughs> for no. goodness sake. Don't edit that out, Harry. It's too late now anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's been good. But I, I, I kind of started off in camera work um, as you do. I started off in the kit room, kind of polishing boxes, right. polishing lenses, yeah. learning the ropes. And literally worked my way up. Um, yeah, because I was going to ask scratch. you. I was going to ask you. I remember when I was back in school, back when Romans dinosaurs roamed <laughs> the earth, <laughs> and, and on the odd days that I actually went to school, my career teacher never said to me, "Here's an option, Paul. You could be an adventure cameraman." How, no. how do you get into well, that, that whole thing? Funny enough, talking about careers advice, I remember in my school, which was known for its brain rather than... Oh, sorry, rather than known for its brawn <laughs> right. rather than its brain. Um, I mean, most of, the people, most of the people from our school kind of ended up either in the army or in prison, I think. <laughs> so I kind of... I, I scraped out there. Um, but our careers advisor, I was lining up outside with my mate, and I remember Stephen Laslett, who's called... And he went in before me and we were both kind of sniggering because we we're about 13 years old, yeah. you know, not knowing what we're going to do with <laughs> yeah. our lives. I st 13. still don't. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was still discovering things, yeah. yeah. And, um, 
And so he called me and he said, so Munjim, he goes, you know, what is it that you want to do with your life and your career? And I said, well, I've been thinking about it and I really want to be a stuntman. <laughs> like every 13-year-old yeah, boy wants to yeah, be, yeah. yeah. And, and he looked at me with like this kind of bemused look and said, but why doesn't that surprise me when the guy in front of you wanted to be a cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was our attitude. I mean, yeah, it was just kind of, yeah. you know, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Anyway, I, I was good at sport right. and I was good at art. I wasn't good academically at all. Um, I could scrape through, to yeah, be yeah. honest, but I was never going to do anything you know, impressive with with my brain. So it was very much finding out what I could do with my creativity and the brawn and my kind of you know, physicality. So um, I, I loved sport. I loved rugby. Um, I then got into surfing and all sorts of things, a bit more kind of adventurous, a bit more off the wall at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... I actually met a guy called Simon Niblett, who's a well-renowned documentary cameraman, was then and is now even more so. He does like big Blue Planet stuff, okay. uh, lots of David Attenborough, right. you know, top, top draw, um, natural history stuff. Um, but at the time, he, he was on the back of doing lots of adventurous stuff, traveling the world. He had Land Rovers, he had motorbikes. And I was just like, this guy's oh. living my dream. Yeah. Yeah, really. A little boy's own dream stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whatever he's doing, I kind of want to do. Right. Even though I didn't really understand it. Um, and I met him through friends. And there's the old adage of, in media, it's not what you know, but really who you know, which sadly helps yeah. massively. Well, I think it kind of in life generally sure and i think in most things yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah. If, if if i hadn't known my dad yeah i'd have never started trek it <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you knew him. your dad i know that would be the whole different story <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah yeah so so i think i think you know through through a friend i got introduced to simon and i realized that this guy was living my dream sort of thing and thought wow this is you know he just I, I didn't think of it as looking for a job i just wanted a life yeah of adventure and of fun and of excitement really and i think I was chatting to my wife the other day, actually, about about what it is that that kind of created the foundation for what I do now. Um, and I think it's very much in your DNA. And if I look back to my DNA with things like rugby and then surfing and then you know the, all the other adventure stuff that I loved, it was all about putting yourself in a position where you're under pressure, where in the moment you've got to perform. Yeah. There's a physicality involved, but also a massive adrenaline rush. And to be honest, that's what I was so blessed to find in my career. Because in my career, it's about being out in the elements. It's about being in physical situations with a very physical job, extremely physical job, um, and having to perform in that moment. So, um, yeah, so I was very lucky to find that career. Um, and Simon, you know, I, he put me in the kit room. I knew right. nothing. Um, I'd been there about 10 days uh, and he said to me, look, I've, I've got to go to Africa for three weeks, over to you. And pretty much left. Well, I dropped him off at the airport right. in his Land Rover. A couple of days later, I broke my ankle playing football. But I continued to uh, do all the kit runs in his Landy with my plaster. Brilliant. <laughs> and I crashed it at one point, yeah. as you do. Days um, before health and safety. Yeah, obviously. yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um so i crashed his land rover and stuff like that and but he was cooler with it just you know <laughs> and, and i just thought well this is amazing and then he started passing on to me the opportunities of stuff that he no longer wanted to do right so then i started doing things like blue peter okay um news who, was, round. who was presenting blue peter when you started on that then? diane louise jordan diane louise jordan yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i don't recall her don't you? black no. girl 
A no. really, really lovely girl. No. Um, yeah, and I, I, so I went and did a, I oh. remember I went and did a interview in Highgate Park, bizarrely, with Cliff Richard oh, and her. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, I mean, Cliff Richard now, he's a bit of a, you know, <laughs> bit of an old timer. But at the time, you know, he's, he was a very big name he's still. He's just released another Christmas record. He's well, still of course going he strong. <laughs> he's done it every year. Of course he has. He's on 150 <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, so, so he did that. And I was so green. I really didn't know what I was doing. But Simon sent me out. Anyway, so I took a kit out and went into this park and I was literally kind of, I had no idea. So I set the camera up and my way of learning had not been to be taught. Yeah, yeah. He kind of just let me do it, kind of get on with it. So in the kit room, I used to plug the camera into a monitor and then just press the buttons and kind of see what they did. I mean, it was really bad, as yeah. in really, really um, you know, basic stuff. But that's how I learned. And he kind of figured out that I wasn't going to learn by reading a book. And I bombarded him with questions. Anyway, so there I was in this park with Diane Lee's Jordan and Cliff. And I set up the shot and I pressed the, um, the white balance, you know, which you kind of have to color correct the camera okay. um, to be whether it's daylight or in artificial light, et cetera, et cetera. It kind of creates the right temperature, the right color of the picture. And, um, and it came up as like 12,000 Kelvin, which is, you know, it came up on screen 12,000 K. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> I had no idea. So I basically dropped my shopping, and I said to I said to the director, "Look, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to quickly pop for a pee in the bush or something." So I went to the bush, quickly got my phone out. Thank God, mobile phones had been had been um, invented. Got on the phone to Sai, and I said, "Look, I just pressed the white balance. It came up at twelve thousand Kelvin," and he just laughed and put down the phone. And I just, you know, and, and that, that was the way it worked with yeah. me inside. Sink he, or swim. He yeah, he yeah. literally dropped me in there. Yeah. And I like to think that had it been really bad, that he would have corrected yeah. me yeah. Uh, in retrospect. But at the time, I knew nothing. Anyway, so, so from there now, I became a massive blag artist and just got myself into more and more situations. And the media, again, like many other industries, is all about networking, yeah. about we said earlier about getting in front of people yeah absolutely just you know people liking you you liking yeah. them and thinking yeah we could work together and yeah let's do that and bearing in mind what we do when you're going away whether it's in the uk to a different location or whether it's further afield anywhere in the world um you're working with these people in you know in quite intense circumstances so number one you want to get on with them yeah absolutely because yeah. if you don't and I've experienced some of that. Yeah, it creates real problems. No, I bet. Like yeah, because yeah, for both of you, put, putting both of you at risk. Yeah, you know, it's, Ma massively yeah, so. For those who, who don't know, you 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 do your film all over the world in ad adventurous, risky sure. situations. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, well, it's, it's well, it's interesting because from then, so the jobs that I then started to get became more and more what I really wanted to do. So I went through the whole thing of sport, the news, right. of um you know, children's stuff, as I said. But then I got opportunities to start doing things like Lonely Planet, right? Uh, which again was uh, something that Simon started to do uh, years ago and he kind of wanted to move on. So he said, well, yeah, you should speak to this guy, Mungo. Yeah, he'd be bang up for it. He'd be perfect for it. Uh, basically, because I was dispensable, <laughs> I, 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 I was young. I was a bit young thick. and stupid enough <laughs> yeah. to, to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, I remember I went into this office. There's two girls there, and I, I kind of thought, oh yeah, this this is all right because they were quite good looking, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, this is the media that I wanted to be part of. And uh, and they started. They basically gave me a list. And no, no, sorry, they didn't on this occasion. They said to me, well, this shoot we're setting up for uh, is going to be like three three and a half weeks a month in Cambodia. 
And I just thought, brilliant, I've never been to Africa before. <laughs> because that's how green I yeah, was. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, Cambodia yeah. is in Southeast Asia. Um, <coughs> anyway, so I went out there, again, completely fluked it um, for three weeks. But then that's when I caught the bug. And I was like, adventure and travel documentary is for me. Um, and then after that shoot, I went back there and those same girls in the team would I'd turn up in the, you know, at the beginning of the week or the month or whatever, and they'd give me a list of countries and just say, where do you want to go? And I'd go, yep. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, That'll yeah. Do. And if, yeah. It's if the schedule worked, I was off you know, with my camera and with one of the presenters and the sound man and director, and that was it. We L were living out of suitcases, weeks on end. World. Yeah, and it was all about living off the beaten track. Yeah. So it was like hardcore traveling, you know, sleeping rough, and yeah, it was fun. Really absolutely, fun. yeah. I mean, it, you're absolutely right. You, you, you're very blessed to... To, to be able to do something that you are absolutely passionate about, yeah, I, can, yeah, I can yeah. see it when you're talking. Sure. You know, it's it's something. It's like it's kind of kind of why Trek it existed. You know, my dad was a keen walker, hill yeah. walker, mountaineer. My brother and I, he dragged us up Hell Valley when we were eleven, and yeah, you yeah. know, and you just you, you have something in you that you want to do. Yeah, and obviously, you know, retail is not quite as exotic and exciting but you're part of that you're part of that world and you're talking with like-minded people every day so i can absolutely understand where you're coming from in that yeah. being able to just live the dream yeah to, 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 um, to coin a pretty corny cliche no, that's it well yeah. in fact i've written two books and my first book is called mungo the cameraman because that's how i'm introduced yeah. this is mungo the cameraman uh, and the second book is called mungo living the dream right because that's exactly it and it's very much after Sai, who i dedicated the book to right. simon because I realised that he was living the dream that I wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those um, those people who come into your life, yeah. and just manage to change everything without actually seeming to try too hard, or, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah. Do they just do the right thing. Well, don't they? yeah, I think what they do is they just they they, they present you with opportunities, don't they? Yeah, and doors open up. And I've always been one. Yeah, you know, I've never really had a set plan beyond a couple of years. Even now, I'm like I'm 51 yeah. now, and I'm thinking, yeah, what what am I going to do for the rest of my working life? It's like I don't know. But there are doors open up every day, and I love pushing them. Yeah. It's like when I got a call from Harry's mate Ross about this. I was just like, yeah, yeah, why not? Why because not? You, 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 but you, but you never know where we things know, are going to lead, or meeting you guys, which is great, and just talk about stuff that you love and hopefully inspire some people. Or, you know, it's, you know, I, I just love the idea of you never really know what path you're on, so push the doors. And I think certainly in my early years, I just desperately had that urge to do something different from the norm right because people you know people were just you know like the careers thing people were just going into these formulaic career paths which is fine i'm not knocking that for no. them it's fine no for absolutely because for we're me we're it just would kill me we're all yeah. built differently yeah absolutely yeah, you know, yeah. Like and, and thank god we are because yeah. if not there wouldn't be doctors well, it'd be really be boring otherwise yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? yeah, they were yeah, all yeah. the same <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it's yeah. uh it's where do you think that comes from then where do you think that drive comes from is that well my <coughs> interestingly I, I hadn't ever thought about this, but my it makes total sense, really. My my grandfather was a Spitfire pilot in wow. the war. He was 19 years old and flying over France, you know, shooting down yeah. the Jerry's. Um, and, you know, that he, so obviously he had that sense of adventure yeah, yeah. And, and an incredible existence. Uh, sadly, it kind of, yeah, he, he lived until a very old age, actually. But sadly those were the best years of his life yeah because how do you beat that uh, uh, yeah rush? absolutely yeah 
Yeah. Um, and even though obviously there were sad stories that go with it of you know hundreds of friends mm. that he lost along the way, um, I think that still lived with him. Anyway, so I think that definitely came from him, that spirit of adventure yeah. and you can do anything. And my great-grandfather on my dad's side was a missionary in China. Um, and I know missionaries have a real bad rep or a bad image. Yeah. But when you think about, like, turn of the century or bef just before that, it was hardcore. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously yeah. hardcore, yeah. like Indiana Jones-style, yeah. you know, adventure, discovery. Um, I think they, I think, because my, my uncle's a doctor of history and he traced back our family <coughs> and loads of stories about my grandfather and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, and I think they had to pick up their their whole worldly possessions like three times because of the Boxer Rebellion. Right. And like literally flee for their lives during war and rebellion yeah. and Yeah, pro proper tough yeah, cookies. Um, yeah, I mean hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. And all in the we all in the name of spreading yeah. faith. Yeah, Absolutely. The word of yeah. God or whatever. So yeah. yeah, amazing really. So so I, I think it kind of makes sense. It's in your DNA. Yeah. yeah. So somehow that's kind of come. Um, I mean, yeah, my dad was a publisher, right. so lived. Uh, yeah, he travelled the world with his company, doing selling books and stuff and making books. But I think, yeah, I think that yeah, that must have come from the DNA, I'm sure. Yeah, like you said, we're all different, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously, you've you've obviously travelled extensively. I've been very lucky to. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that today I've been just shy of a hundred countries. Wow. Um, I kind of gave up counting because I was going back to countries and it got yeah. a bit confusing. Um, in fact, when I, I, I did a series for Animal Planet called Mung uh, Expedition Mungo, and when I'd finished it, the director and the producer, for it ran over Christmas just before it came out, and they bought me this map. It's like a map of the world that you can scrape uh, off the countries you've been, has it? Yeah, yeah. And I've still never done it. <laughs> I've never got around to it. I've got two young kids and it's like, yeah. when do I get the time to do that? Uh, yeah. But one day I'll do it. Um, yeah. And it'd be interesting to see how much I have done. But it's, you know, I think there's, I think there's just over 300 countries in the world, isn't okay. there? So I don't I've know. I was going to ask you if yeah, you do so, that. Yeah. So I think I've done a third of them, um, which is amazing. And the best thing is, Somebody's paid for me to do it. Yeah, which is the and you've real enjoyed gift. it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you've had a laugh. Yeah, met some great people. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and I think the interesting thing with professional camera work is that when you do go to somewhere with a camera, obviously it's set up and you're there to tell a story. Um, similar to this, it's good PR for the country. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what the story well, is, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but things like the Lonely Planet, for example, you get open, you get welcomed with open arms by the tourist board, right? And they give you access to things that people just don't get. You know, normal yeah, general sure. public don't yeah, get yeah. the access to. So I think it's been very privileged in that point of view. And one thing that I value more than anything is the world education it's given me, my traveling. Mm -hmm. So it's not just going there, knowing what the local beer is or where to eat out yeah, in yeah. the evening. Yeah. Um, but it's about really having lived and kind of, um, what's the word? Not integrated. Embedded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Being embedded within cultures. Yeah. Um, and hearing people's intimate stories, be it, you know, happy or sad or meeting wildlife with people who've had interactions with wildlife that you just never get to meet. And, and obviously when we're there, you know, what, what the viewer sees at home is an, an edited it's cut it's down snapshot. version yeah. whereas we've lived with those people yeah. and eaten with them slept with them you know 
as in next to them. Yeah, asleep in <laughs> the same room. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and just kind of, as you said, embedded uh, ourselves within them. So, so, so you kind of, you just get this incredible knowledge. And I think what I love is, you know, if I listen to the World Service when I'm away, BBC World Service, or if I'm watching the news, when they mention countries, if it's a country I've been to, nine times out of ten, I've got to know that country really well because of what we do and the yeah. time we've spent there. So it just gives you that knowledge beyond just the news. You yeah. kind of think, well, I understand why those people are feeling that because that in their culture, they think this or that. And yeah, it's, No, it's, absolutely. It yeah, makes you, it very you, interesting. You understand it rather than just being spoon-fed what what yeah. you, what the what the media wants you to, sure, to hear about sure. it. Yeah. I mean, I it, certainly, it certainly opens up your eyes. Yeah, know. for most of us who go travelling, you know, on holiday, you know, you might spend a week, a couple of weeks somewhere, exactly. and you know, it's all very good, but you never really get underneath the skin of a country. Yeah, and, and that, that yeah. so sorry, and I, and I think as a tourist, I think you are you are herded around yeah, of to the are. nice areas because yeah. that's where you'll spend the well, money. When you're trying to maximise your time there, and they're yeah. trying to maximise your tourist spend sure you know sure. i think the closest thing i've ever had to that was a trip i did to the himalayas with my dad we mm -hmm. went trekking and uh, you know we were just living with the sherpas on the trail for it's about six or seven weeks you know and it, you, you're right it takes it takes a little while for kind of the tourist mantle to slip yeah and, and for you to become humans together yeah, yeah you yeah. know and particularly when you're somewhere you know uh, arduous you're not you're not in a city for instance you're out somewhere we we're on the Annapurna Trail not particularly extreme and out there but you know this was late 80s so it was long before it became massively popularized and yeah you actually you're right you're, you're sleeping in the tea houses with these guys yeah. you're under the stars smoking some of their strange tobacco yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're drinking their rakshi and you're, you're just you know it's you're living with these people day to day mm. You really do get a good sense, mm. and that's that stayed with me for forever. Oh, it you does. Know, I, I, I can, you know, close my eyes now, and I can see the faces of the Sherpas. I can see everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, such yeah. so vivid memories that yeah, are built. Yeah, yeah it's very and, special. And, and, and I think in the same way that you also learn tips and tricks from those people, and that's yeah. what I love. I mean, I'm a total kit junkie. Um, but also, I love learning. As I said earlier, I don't learn by reading books. I learn by pressing buttons, yeah, and doing. doing doing things, yeah. and and experimenting. And there are times when, yeah, and I pass it on to my boys now. I've got two young boys, and I'm like, when you're going down a muddy hill, yeah, rather than taking big clunky footsteps, take little. It's like ABS braking. Yeah, rather than going bang, you go yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 and yeah. it slows you down and it keeps you. But I learned that from being with this tribe up in Vietnam in the mountain uh, region of Vietnam, Mondulkiri. And, uh, and I was up there and I was carrying this massive Bergen full of kit. Um, and no, sorry, that's wrong. I had a camera on my back in this big Bergen. Mm. But then this little guy who was literally about four foot tall, maybe a little bit higher than that, but he was tiny, tiny Indian guy with flip-flops on. Yeah. And I had like military yeah, boots yeah, on yeah. the works. And, I, and we, we were going down this mountain and I started taking these huge things and I was slipping because it was wet and mm. it was muddy and I was going downhill and we were trying to raise the head so I could set up for shots of people coming down. And he just looked at me. We couldn't speak the same language. So we just, you know, I spent hours with this guy. We didn't, didn't speak a word to each other, but he would just communicate with each other through signs yeah. and, and kind of, you know, describing stuff. And he basically said, you know, your feet, you know, small, small, pit yeah. pat, pit pat. And it just works. Yeah. And and I you know and things like that I love that you can pass on that generation you know those tips and tricks of how to go down the muddy slope, but 
but to my sons, but then say to them, I learned that from some little guy up in a yeah, mountain in, in, a mountain in the middle of a jungle somewhere. It? Yeah. It's really kind of poetic. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, you have the beauty of the, the setting and the story, but also life skills, mm. life skills. And that's exciting. No, it is. You're absolutely right. And we've yeah. got so much to learn. Oh. Always. Yeah. So you've got, um, you've done a hundred countries. So that's 200 plus more to go, isn't it? Are you, yeah. are you, are you do you have no. like a tick list of where you're going to go? <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, I mean, for me, it depends very much on the job. Yeah, um, yeah obviously I get, I get calls. Um, I mean, now, 28 years later, I don't really push for work. It kind of comes to me, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, but I've worked bloody hard to get to that position. Um, so they'll phone me and say, look, we're doing this job. And I'm like, well, what is it? And where are you going? And who's going? And yeah you can afford to be a bit choosy now yeah 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 Yeah. well yeah and it's not it's not really so much affording i think we could always do with more money but i think it's it's more of a case of i want to be a bit more choosy i want to spend more time at home with my kids yeah because that to me is the gold in life yeah Um, forget money um it's spending time with your family um so i want to travel less really so i'm becoming more choosy about where i go right and so many of the countries when you've been to so many countries so many of them you've been to before and so rather than regurgitating which is really nice for the company who want you to go because mm-hmm. they think well you know where you're going and yeah, you yeah. know people on the ground yeah, yeah. and you've got experience of what what to expect um but it's more yeah so now i, I, I i'm picky about what the project is and what I'm going to be doing there, how long for. Um, I'm off to India in March. Nice. <coughs> uh, with Freddie Flintoff, which should be fun. Yeah, he um, seems like a fun guy. Yeah, he's lovely. I, I've known, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to meet Fred on his first, I was on the job as director of photography on his first job outside of cricket right. when he retired because of injury. So he was like a bit lost, really, didn't mm. really know what to do. And I took the job knowing, and he knows this because I've told him a million times, but I, I, I just knew that if we got on, that I thought the chances would be high that we would get on. Yeah. That he he would probably be brilliant on TV. Yeah, yeah. And the proof is in the pudding, isn't yeah. he? Top Gear. No, and absolutely. Whatever yeah, he's, he's just a real natural. Yeah, he's, he just seems to like, and, and, like and, just and you know a laugh. The, and you know. know the secret for Fred is authenticity. Yeah. Because he is just 100% that person that's on the screen. Who you see on screen is, yeah. is who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's why people love him. Because he's very lovable, because he just he's comfortable in his own skin, and that's and that's who he is. So yeah, so off to India, and and that's fun because going to India with Fred, where I mean he's like a deity over there, cricket deity. He's also so probably very very tall over there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course. He, well, he's tall here. Well, he's tall here. I mean, I'm, I'm tall, but he towers over me. Yeah, what is he about six foot? Five, he's six, six five. Six, he, yeah. he he calls himself like six three or something. No, he's, he's not, not six three. I'm close to six three. He's yeah. he's definitely over six five. Anyway. Hung like a gnat, though, apparently. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's all like rubbing the ball in his groin. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> must, yeah, yeah. must have had some effect. New balls, please. Um, that's tennis. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but he's, um, yeah, he, he, so, so I'm doing that. and then, But then, bizarrely, I'm, my first job of the year this year is going to be um, Britain's Got Talent in the London Palladium. Wow. Bring it that's, on. That's, that's out there. Yeah, Adventure. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the, the reason why I've done that, this will be my 19th year. On Britain's Got Talent. Oh, right. But, but I only do the judges sections okay. in the theatres. Right. But the reason being is because our industry goes very quiet over the kind of winter period. Of course. Because people yeah. want long days. Yeah. So they get their money's worth. Yeah, yeah. Nice light, et cetera, et cetera. Warm, warmer conditions. So 
to have that guaranteed job, which is always at the end of January, is like a sitter for us. Yeah, so we're yeah. just like, yeah, take yeah. it. It's yeah. in the warm. Grin and bank it. Oh, yeah, You so probably easy. get bacon sandwiches and everything. Oh, yeah, we get better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but, but in the morning, you know, I, I walk into the auditorium. I've got my camera there. And so, so I, I'm literally standing right, right by the judges in the pit of the stage sort of thing. Yeah. And I do this really nice kind of creative camera position. I walk in there with my coffee, paper. Yeah, you know, it's so different to what I do with Bear yeah. Grills or others. Well, I, I was going to ask you. I was looking on your website, and you have got this list of A-list celebrities, and you know, sort of like outdoor adventure in the wilderness. And in that list was Simon Cowell. And he yeah, just, it just didn't strike me as somebody who would be oh, in a jungle. No, well, he's he's not. No, <laughs> he's, he's not. not. That's for sure. He's in the urban jungle. Yeah. Um, yeah, but si Simon's lovely. You know, I mean, I, I worked with Simon on the first ever pop idol thing where he was a judge. And I remember going up to him just before we started to record on the cameras. And I said, look, you're gonna have to go now because you know we're starting to record. Yeah. And he was chatting to Pete Waterman or whoever it was at the time. Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, 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 I'm one, I'm one of the judges. And I went, oh, right, oh. sorry. <laughs> sorry. But yeah, <laughs> but, no, but, but no one knew who he was. No. Because he was just a record producer yeah. who was brought in and that was his first real thing in front of the camera. So and now look at him. Now look at him. But but then yeah. you know the the twenty odd years that I've worked with Simon, he's a lovely guy. You know I, I I'm I'm a big fan of his actually. He's a, he's a he's a good man, and he d he calls a spade a spade, and that's that's why he's got to his fame. You know people yeah. say nasty Simon or whatever it yeah. is, but but the truth is he just tells them you're crap. If you're a crap singer. There's oh. no point in wasting your time or mine. No, absolutely. So crap. And we all know, <laughs> don't we, when we're watching of it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's the crap. entertainment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Rylan, of course. Yeah. You could be crap and successful. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No offense, Rylan. My <laughs> yeah. wife loves you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a nice guy. Yeah. But, but it's interesting doing that because then you see people like, I mean, the year I supervised X Factor was um, the year that Louis, uh, Leona Lewis won. Right. And then you see one D come through one yeah. direction yeah. and you know, who were just, you know, grotty little kids, you know, who were lined yeah. up and you know, yeah. gobby little yeah. shites really. Yeah. But then, you know, they, they can sing and they got put together, they were fully manufactured by by Simon and his team. And blow me, you know, it's incredible seeing the success and downfall of some of the people who went through those things. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So yeah. yeah. So th so the media can be inspirational but can also be um, very destructive. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the, I think one of the, probably the most famous person you work with is Bear Grylls, isn't it? And he's had a, he's a roller coaster of ride through the press. And I've, I was of the impression that with, with Bear, you get what you, 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 what you see is what you get. And I watched his, um, his recent interview with uh, Louis Theroux on his little island. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, what a decent chap. He, he just seems like a really decent guy. And I, is, is that true? Is, oh, is, yeah. is Bear who <coughs> you see? Oh, totally. I mean, I've worked with Bear for 17 years. In the same way, like with Freddie, I, was, I worked on his first job in TV. I met him in the Sahara Desert, as you do. Yeah. Um, we're doing a thing called Escape to the Legion about the French Foreign right. Legion. So he went through the basic training, yeah. kind of mocked up basic training yeah. of the French Foreign Legion. Well, he'd done Legion. all that before, hadn't he? Yeah. In his previous yeah, life. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so he took 10 kind of wannabe guys um, in reality kind of mm. show-esque uh, contributors through that kind of basic training. And it was really interesting. We just got on like a house on fire. Um, he, he, yeah, he's, he's lovely. I mean, he's an old friend now. Right. Um, He's he's as hard as nails. Yeah, yeah. People don't think he is. He he has he has definitely become softer. 
since he's Haven't been we in, all? since he's been connected with Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and his bank balance is gone older. Risen and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he doesn't repair quite as quickly. <laughs> no, no, that's right, that's right. Although having said that, he's he's you know he keeps himself in good shape there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's an, it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, it's funny because he's only really had one blip in the press, which was many years ago. Yeah. I mean, probably fifteen years ago now. It must be ten or fifteen yeah. years ago, when the whole thing about the scandal yeah, of the the, hotel the hotels yeah. and stuff like that. And to be honest, it's kind of really you know people are yeah, still talking it's about stuck that. With him, hasn't yeah, it's it? extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 you know, my obviously I get asked about it a lot. Um, and the truth is, my answer always is, well, look, we're making a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he yeah. hasn't crashed in the wilderness <laughs> and trying to survive yeah. and stuff like that. Of course he's not. Yeah, no. you he's got, there's a film crew yeah, here. He's, got, yeah, he's, he's got, surrounded by people. Of course he They've is. They've arrived here. Of course he is. And, 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 and obviously, yeah. I mean, it's a bit like saying you're looking at a film like Tom Cruise in Castaway and yeah. you think, you know, was he really shipwrecked? Was that Tom it's Cruise like, in no, Castaway? No, that was... Um, no, Castaway. Castaway. Castaway, where he's got the ball, the basketball. Yeah, that's not Tom Cruise. That's um, no, it is. No, it's not. It's no, not no, Tom no, Cruise. no, no, no. Sorry, no, it, it, Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Apologies, um, but you, you know what I mean. It's a bit yeah. like saying Tom Hanks. You know, yeah. So was he really? You know, did they really cast him? Did they like, really crash a plane? Yeah, in it's like <laughs> he's making a film, but yeah. but it's funny because in that arena, it's accepted. Anyway, the the other thing that Channel Four did, which was such a simple fix, was. At the start of that show, Man vs. Wild, it used to say, I'm Bear Grylls and I'm surviving in this environment mm. for the next three days or whatever it is. And I'm going to, yeah, you're going to come along with me or whatever. And all they did was say, I'm Bear Grylls and I'm going to show you yeah. how to survive and give you tips and tricks or whatever from my experience or whatever. And that kind of, that dissipated the whole thing. Yeah. And then, then it became okay. Yeah. And, and, and again, when you look into the detail of the whole, um, the whole kind of saga was that it was done by a journalist who, or a writer who hadn't even watched the show, so he had just heard rumours and written case, this thing. Yeah, and bang, lazy journalism. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but you know, Bear to his credit, just kept on being authentic. Well, yeah, he just kept being himself. Just no, kept I've being got, himself. I've got utmost respect for him. I think, but particularly what he does with the scouting movement. I oh mean, yeah, I mean, kind of the whole scouting movement was fundamental in my kind of introduction to to climbing and mountaineering. I had. Yeah. A quite a, a revolutionary scoutmaster who used to drag us up mountains in poor equipment in the middle of winter, yeah, you know, yeah. when, when you were allowed to. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, it was that whole movement was, was kind of guided me towards my whole kind of outdoor life and adventure. So yeah, yeah. I think what Bear does for the scouts is yeah. fantastic. I, I, was, yeah. I, was a, I was a sea scout right. uh, myself. But I think when, when I was doing it and when you were doing it, I think it almost, in my view, I suppose as a kid then, it seemed to have reached a level. Yeah, but then when Bear got involved, bang! Yeah, the the recruitment. Just yeah, it, it was cool again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point. It yeah. became cool again. The yeah. kit they were using was cool and whatever, and he's had the same effect even within the Royal Marines. So they made him an honorary colonel. That's right. Yeah. Um, and the recruitment's just soared mm. ever since. But I, I suppose it, again, it's about PR. It's about making something relevant and attractive and inspirational. Um, yeah, no, no, but Bear's yeah. He's a, he's a great mate, and I've been very very fortunate to ride the wave with him. Right, um, and we've, yeah, I mean all the most of the A-listers that I've worked with, um, the likes of Ben Stiller, Kate Winslet, you know, hundreds to name. Um, yeah. 
Janin Tatum, people like that. It's all it's all through Bear and Running Wild, mm-hmm. um, and we have a real laugh. So we literally we, we we meet the celebrities. They can't bring anyone with them, so they're by themselves. We literally pick them up in a helicopter and fly them off to somewhere. So they they've don't, got they no don't, idea they don't get about. their entourage. No, no, no. And no, their gilded lilies no. in, a, in, a, in a bars in no, the dressing room. No. no. I mean, we, we've had, I won't mention names because no, <laughs> everybody will know them, but we have one, we have one scenario. Bear and I were, I think we we're in Panama or the state. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure it's Panama. And we, we were going back to do this shoot back into Europe. Um, and we started getting all these demands from the guy's agent about what this person wants. They right. only they, they, they only fly in seat 1A on a plane. They want Diet Coke on set the whole so time. So that, that stuff, you know, all, all that kind of, those urban myths yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah. riders, they no, call it, sure. it exists. And, and, and he would only get in the helicopter if it was twin-engined with two pilots. And we were like, well, we're going. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and, and, and Bear and I, we literally, you know, while we're doing that, something else, Bear just said to me, oh, look, I've just got this email from so-and-so's agent. And it's like, I think this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And I went, oh, come on, it'll be all right. You know, whatever, we'll yeah. just go and deal with it. Anyway, and there we were, picked him up in the morning, pissing with rain. I mean, torrential rain. Picked him up in a single engine yeah. helicopter <laughs> with, like, with, with, his ex, <laughs> with his ex kind of military pilot yeah. who's practically half drunk. <laughs> and picked him up, took him off and flew him off onto his amazing adventure. And he had the best time of his did. life. Yeah. And at the end of it, he said... Um, he it was walking down the mountain with him and he said um what you done in like you and because mm. it, it's basically two cameras those right. shoots two cameras with an assistant guy who sometimes shoots an extra shot like a wide shot yeah, yeah. can't get it because we're up there mount, up the mountain um and he just says what you guys make in like two days two or three days is what we would take two weeks to a month in the movie world yeah. and he said I'm so impressed and I've just loved it because there's no bullshit yeah. you all just get on with it it's, like, it's, a real. Little, it's yeah. like a little patrol and we just move <laughs> around and we do it and we all get on we all have a laugh we're all farting burping yeah. telling jokes yeah. camaraderie is <laughs> awesome um, but we get the job done and it's um, it's brilliant yeah and so to work with people like that is it's really good fun but I think more than meeting them it's just giving them the best experience. I was going to say, I it must it. be really rewarding to actually see somebody really flourish as a yeah. human being, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, outside yeah. of their comfort zone. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, because, you know, some of these big movie stars, a lot of the stuff they they do is obviously stuntmen. Yeah. And so they just, you know, they do all the kind of the close camera work, mm. um, acting, and then they'll call somebody else yeah, to do the big slideshow. through shot. a window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I'll never forget, just one last story, because about Channing Tatum, because we were in... I think it was near Yosemite somewhere. I think we were based there. But anyway, so he came along for, he's done two now, but he came along for um, his first one. And he was so excited, Channing. Because so, he's a physical guy. Yeah. You know, he's very yeah. much like one of us, really. And he's a real lad. You know, he came and hung out with us the night before and had a good laugh. And um, so we met him in the morning. We picked him up. So I came in in the heli with, bear and we picked him up and tied him on and then we brought him up over this glacial lake and then bear turns around and goes goes right you know this is where we start we're going to go from here into the lake sort of thing so bear goes out onto the he's on a skid already yeah. unclips does a backflip from the helicopter about 50 feet into this glacial lake and he, you know everybody's like whoa uh, and bear yeah, yeah. yeah challenge just like yeah man yeah, yeah this is great sort of thing and i'm there filming away on the side of the skid as well 
and then um and then Channing and then then he realized that he had to go <laughs> so Channing goes stands on the skid yeah. like looking out there and you know the idea is that he just kind of drops off like a normal kind of jump yeah he turns around like with his back facing the door right as in on standing on yeah, the skid yeah, but yeah. looking out and Dave who was doing head of safety at the time he just kind of went he, he just he literally grabbed his ear and he went because obviously it's very loud yeah, yeah. he went if you're going to do it, jump out, don't jump up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and then Channing jumps out, does this backflip, mimics Bear completely. Fantastic. I mean, Bear's done this yeah, tons yeah, of times. Tons. Yeah, that's yeah. what he does. And he did it and landed in the thing. And you, you can see Bear swimming off kind yeah. of a little bit disgruntled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> upstage. Chan, yeah, because Channing kind of, yeah, just kind of. Yeah, completely. whatever you can do. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, 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 but that kind of set, that set the tone for us because then we're like, okay, okay. Yeah, so now we get his it. mindset. Yeah. Where some people just like literally drop their shopping and they can't yeah. move, they're terrified. Um, it's a great so phrase, drop their shopping. Drop their shopping, <laughs> yeah. That's a Fred, that's a Fredism, I think. <laughs> well, here's my other one that I use from Fred is uh, my ass was twitching like a rabbit's nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. yeah, so, so, so I mean, you know, fun times with that. And, and to, yeah, I mean, Zach Efron, we, we threw him out of a plane with a parachute on and i think he'd ever only ever done one jump before and that was probably tandem yeah and yeah and he but again he did it well it, it, you don't much choice at that point have you yeah <laughs> you've either got to uh, do yeah, it or yeah, you yeah. don't <laughs> we're, go, we're going up i remember we're going up and we had this helicopter who, and we had this kind of civvy pilot and he was getting really worried about all the alarms going off because in a helicopter when you go to a certain altitude You're right all the alarms are going because yeah. the air's getting too thick okay but you've got to go a certain height in order to jump safely right um, so and, and he's going he's going I've got to stop I've got to stop I can't go any higher all the alarms Bear's going come on just get to go up there you'll be fine you know, I'll take the blame just keep going <laughs> yeah. so he kept going up and then when we we're going up Bear said to Zach he went um, he went okay well he goes so remember you jump out you, know, you check your altitude you, you get in your star position and then you pull the ripcord he goes which one's the ripcord like that? But he was up for it. <laughs> yeah. But he honestly forgot yeah, which one's the ripcord. You thought, thank God he asked the question. Yeah, don't hit the big buckle in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, fun times. Yeah. So you're obviously used to putting people outside of their comfort zones. What's it like outside your comfort zone? Where where, where have you been that's... Uh, my comfort you just zone... thought that's, that's just too yeah, much. My, my comfort zone over the years has got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> Um, and I find it harder to kind of scare myself. Or, right. But but there, of course there are times um, when I feel out of my comfort zone. Um, it's quite interesting really because we, you know, the, you learn over the years that there are things that you can control and you can understand and there are things that you can't. Yeah. And there lies the difference. So for example, um, animals wild animals you know you're out in the bush in africa or wherever borneo doing your thing animals are predictable and you can understand once you get to know their behavioral you know acts yeah you can know when they're being threatened when they're feeling uncomfortable stressed and then you back off and you can you can kind of manage it because uh -huh. it's quite simple and uh, just a little aside but i learned something while i was doing my um expedition mungo on animal planet was a guy, an old vet in Namibia, I think it was, he said to me, um, he said to me, have you, ever have you ever thought about why animals are always see us as obviously the top of the food chain? Yeah. But we are always in the threat position. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, if you're a tiger, 
a, an elephant or anything like that or a bear you're always on all fours yeah but when you go into your attack yeah. to jump or to attack you're yeah. on two legs so they rear up and yeah then, you know, yeah, yeah like a bear or a, yeah. a tiger would jump or whatever and we are constantly in that aggressive stance interesting isn't it yeah it is. so I'd, I'd, that. yeah i'd never thought about that yeah. and it's so simple yeah um and so that's why you kind of think, you know, if you did want to make an animal feel more comfortable, you'd kind of get down yeah, on fours like them yeah. sort of thing or yeah. whatever. So, um, yeah, things like that, you, you learn along the way. Things like insects, you can learn the tricks about how to avoid them. You know, insects are the worst thing, I think. Yeah. Um, in jungles, for example, where everything's out to kill you or get into you. Yeah. It's just horrible. Um, so your comfort zone with animals, you can very much work around. I think that the the two things you can't control are the elements, mm -hmm. but you learn to adapt. Yeah, yeah. But I think the most scary aspect to travel or life in general is people. Yeah. Because they're totally unpredictable, and just when you think you're in a safe situation, it can turn. On well, a I dime. think yeah, particularly where people are living in hostile environments or hostile political situations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 as much as a camera, for example, yeah, you know, our cameras are big, big cameras. Yeah. As much as they can be a real help to get you into places, sometimes because people like the idea of TV yeah, or yeah. glamour, um, they can also be a hindrance. If you see, if you're in a a dangerous kind of war zone or something, um, having a big thing on your shoulder in the distance, if they can't see is what it, it is, yeah. looks It'll like a like RPG or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it could be. Yeah, anything really. Um, so that that can be a real negative, but but also, the people you meet, you know, they know that your equipment's expensive. Mm. They know that you're sometimes out of your depth of yeah. where you're at, yeah. so they can just call it. I mean, I was up a mountain once, uh, a volcano for the BBC in, on the Artarelli, um volcano, which is in Ethiopia. I was up there with Kate Humble and a couple of others, um, and we were camping up there. And the only way to get up there was by camel. Right. With all our kit. So we, we just like hiked up. It took us hours. I think yeah. it took us eight hours or something. So we hiked up there and we camped up there for a number of days. But then when we came to come back down again, the camel herders came up to pick us up and they just said, yeah, we want more money. Right. Or we're not taking you down. Yeah. And we were screwed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the old Kalashnikovs start getting cocked. And you think, yeah, one of the, yeah, you, or you meet a kid who's on beaten up. Yeah. Um, and you just think this would be a horrible way to die, mm. yeah, being shot up a volcano in um, in in Ethiopia. Yeah. And how long would my family? How long would it be until my family found out? For the sake of a few dollars. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not our money. No. And so nine times out of ten, we just go, "Yep, yeah, yeah here's another yeah. hundred, whatever," um, and that's that. But 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 again, you, you but you do learn different techniques. So for example, on that one, we actually that's a lie. On a previous one I've been to in Ethiopia, I was doing a. Um, natural history shoot about gelada baboons mm -hmm. and we lived with a troop of gelada baboons at 15,000 feet um, 12 to 15,000 feet up in these mountains the Simeon mountains which are beautiful when you think of Ethiopia you think of desert yeah yeah the kind no, of it's, the, it's the, the, the kind of wasteland it's very which, verdant isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well areas of it are. Yeah. so the Artarelli uh, the Danical depression is is basically a seabed by the Horn of Africa um, but then the Simeon Mountains is like Switzerland. Yeah. It's incredible, yeah. really lush and beautiful um, and huge drops. Anyway, what we did there was um, we hired the local, because there's lots of bandits in the country, in the area, 
who will obviously rob you um, and take you kidnap and stuff uh, hostage for money. So we hired the bandit leader or one of the bandit right. leaders. Yeah. So we basically offered him money and just said, look, would you come and look after our camp, be our camp manager? Yeah. So he comes along and we get to know him. And because we've got him, no one else no, is going to no touch us. Bother you. So, yeah. you, so you, can, you can work around it. Yeah. But it's quite interesting, the techniques and the mind games you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but also, but also <coughs> um, statistically, with looking at risk, I mean, so much of, you know, in theory with Bear, we, we're in helicopters the whole time with the doors off, yeah. hanging off the skids, whatever. <laughs> Obviously, we're clipped in. But you think, you know, at some point, you think statistically our number's going to be up or we're going to drop out or something's going to go something's wrong because it doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. And I was chatting to a um, helicopter engineer once and he said, well, what you don't want is the Jesus bolt to go. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, there's a bolt which basically holds the propellers in. I into the he rotor, says, yeah. I said, well, why do you call it that? He says, because if that bolt goes, the next person you'll meet is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. Anyway, so... Yeah, so it's, it's a sobering thought. It <laughs> yeah. comes down to one bolt yeah, between know, you. Yeah. And then, so helicopters are dangerous. But then again, which, which you learn on things like hostile environment courses, which we've done, um, statistically, you're at most risk driving, RTAs, yeah. road traffic accidents. So driving in these places is really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And you're more likely to get, yeah, to get that than get than rather than skewered rather by than a rhino yeah, or fall or out of the yeah, sky in a helicopter. Shot by some gorilla yeah, yeah, yeah. Kalashnikov. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've I've driven in India. I know what it's like. Yeah, it's mental, it's, isn't it? It's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah even on we were up near um Chandigarh, mm -hmm. so up northeast India. And you're on tarmac, dual carriageways, and you think you're safe. And then a lorry comes the, the wrong other way. way. That's right. Yeah, just yeah. straight down the middle. Yeah. Everyone scatters. Yeah. Then you've got 14 people on a moped and a donkey. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's mental. Well, we, that, that reminds me of the, um, in fact, an answer to that last question as well. So I did I did a thing called By Any Means, which was for Cha BBC Two, where Charlie Borman, myself, and Russ Malkin, we went... We travelled from Ireland to Sydney over land and sea. Right. And we try not to fly. We did fly once, I think, or twice in four months. But we did everything by land and seas. And we used 104, 105 different forms of transport, went to 24 countries, right. and literally went all the way across the world. It was you know, the most phenomenal journey, four months of your life. Um, and we were in India, and the same thing, doing that, you know, the crazy driving mm. and stuff. And we were on bikes, um, and I was filming them on bikes and, and in fact I, I screwed my knee up and tore the cartilage so I had to fly home and have surgery and then fly, fly back, back out and then met them in wherever it was uh, Thailand uh, to continue the journey onto Sydney which we completed which was amazing fantastic uh, I think you can still see it on YouTube and stuff brilliant brilliant show um, just really good fun because it was proper you know I had to carry all my clothes for four months all my personal stuff and my camera equipment. So I took a little camera. Right. Uh, but then it was tapes. And I just had two radio mics with batteries. And that was it. That was it. it was amazing. No and crew. No. No, no, no. no, literally no, just no. So I was doing camera. sound and, and, and camera. Right. And then we just had credit card, mobile phone. And we went. Yeah. Three passports each. So we could be applying for visas okay. along the way. It's brilliant. Brilliant fun. Anyway, by the by, that led me on to the next series I did with Charlie after that was... Um, a thing called Extreme Frontiers in Canada. And we traveled all over Canada by motorbike, uh, mostly by motorbike. It was just brilliant. 
Um, but we part of it was climbing in the Rockies. So we stopped and we climbed with this guy. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't because I am going to diss him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, better not. And, to and he's very well known. <laughs> right. Um, he's a well known climber. But we climbed with this guy, and um, it, to be fair, it may not have been him. It may have been the guys with him. But we we climbed up in the Rockies and we got we did we summited this peak and we came down and it was you know it was full on. Yeah. It was like amazing. Yeah. I really really loved it. Um, we were way out of our comfort zone there, but we did it and a real sense of achievement. And they looked after us so well. Um, and obviously, when you're doing that as the cameraman, you're you're filming and climbing. So yeah. everything you do, you've got to carry the camera. You yeah. normally sling it over yeah. uh, onto your and back. And I guess as well, when, you, when you're climbing and mountaineering with a camera, you can't say, can we just stop and come back? Cut down oh, a bit. I need well to refilm that. You do. You do? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to, right? Because everything you do is like it's sequential. So, so I would say, right, stop there, Charlie. I'll right. go ahead. So I climb up the next okay. bit. Okay. And then if he's coming up a chimney or something, yeah. And then I'll get to the top so I can film him coming up. Um, so yeah, we did plenty of that. Anyway, that night, we got caught um, in this weather, and we we managed to reach the, the saddle in between these two meet these two mountains in the Rockies. And the weather came in, and we were meant to get a helicopter to come and pick us up. The guys went to their sat phone, and they hadn't charged their sat phone. So we were seriously yeah. in shit. And we're on the saddle, so we put up um, we put up our tent. We had a tent. They had forgotten their tent. No, no, no. Sorry, one. No, they'd bought enough tents for like t two of us. So me and Charlie were in a tent, and Russ and this other guy were in a tent. But the other two people with us, no the support team, didn't have a tent. So they all crammed into that other tent. It was ridiculous. Really grossly unprepared. Yeah. And that night, so we ended up spending the whole night there. The helicopter never came. So we spent the whole night there. Basically went really low on our rations. Mm. We were short on water. And the wind was unbelievable that came through that through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably like funneled it through yeah. between the peaks. Anyway, the next morning we got up. And, and during the night, Charlie and I, we literally didn't sleep a week. Wink. We were in the we were in the um, two man tent together, and we were getting up to go and because it kept on blowing the tent up. Yeah. And we were trying to peg it down onto rocks because it was just like shale. Yeah. So we found bigger rocks and we were getting out in the night and it was just heinous and it was really we li I literally thought we're just gonna get blown off this mountain yeah. and we're gonna be found up yeah found in a few days, um, being eaten by a wolf or something. <laughs> Anyway, the next morning, cut a long story short, the helicopter came in and found us because we did have an RV point, but they couldn't get in. Right, because of the because, weather. Because three tornadoes had blown through that night. And, you know, so, so had we known, A, it's all, my whole experience of adventure, travel, it's all about preparation. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to have your exit plan, your strategy of what, what if... We're always trained to think, what, what if? Yeah. Worst case scenario, the most ridiculous case scenario, you know, three tornadoes. Yeah, yeah. What if one blew through? Yeah, three blew three. through. You know, so is your sat phone charged? Have you got enough kit? Have you got emergency rations? What are you going to do if you're stuck up there? What's your plan? Yeah. Have you checked the weather forecast? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's Simple the truth. Simple things that's like that. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so I, I think that, that was one of the times when I just thought in the elements, you know, we're, you're screwed. You can be really screwed. Um, to the extent of really risking your life. Well, there's a very simple adage, isn't there? You know, there's no such thing as bad weather, just poor equipment. Yeah, totally. You know, and it, it, that applies to 
yomping up and down the Sugarloaf outside Abergavenny to being stuck up a mountain in the Rockies. Of course, know? of course. Yeah. Or even going for a walk in the park in the rain. Even going for a walk in yeah. the park in the rain. If you, get wet, if you get wet feet, if you get wet, wet under undergarments, you've had it. Yeah, you just yeah, get you're, cold You're, you're so miserable, quickly. you're cold, and yeah. that can be very, very serious. And no. people don't understand it. No. And, and I think that's why, that's partly why I'm a complete kit junkie, is because when you're working in those environments on a professional level, you know, I, I'm, I've got to think about everything that I'm there doing filming. So I'm thinking about n- these days, you know, on bigger shoots, I have, you know, camera, uh, you know, I have an assistant, I yeah. have um, sound recorders. I don't worry about sound stuff, but I've got camera gear to worry about. And then thinking about what the next sequence is. It's not just about operating the camera. It's about, is the story right for what we're telling? Yeah. Is a presenter coming across the right, et cetera, et cetera. But then on top of that, you're dealing with the fact that you can be waist deep in a swamp in the jungle, yeah. And what's crawling up your a hole, yeah. Or or um, or you're you know freezing in minus thirty degrees and you've got some skin exposed yeah. and you're holding that shot for that yeah, piece yeah. of camera, yeah. But you know you're getting nip frost, yeah. Um, and I guess as well, you, there's only a certain amount of kit you can take because you've got to, most of the time you've got to carry it in. That's, you? that's right. Yeah. And, and 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 then it's about layering up, layering yeah. down. You know, in the real cold. So you you, know, you start cold, and and this is all stuff again, not by reading books, but by doing it. Yeah. And and most of the stuff I've learned in the adventure field is by ex-military guys. Lots of them ex-special forces. Yeah, yeah. So they really know their stuff. And it's just like. Right, you're yomping up this mountain, strip down, yeah. strip down, be cold when you start, because you're going to be very hot in a bit. Oh, we, did a, we did a video on that, didn't we, Harry? Did it? Yeah. Be bold, start cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. again, that's a, an, an adage from uh, a, a good friend of Trek It, Bob Thomas, right. former military guy as well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, don't start completely smother yourself and start off nice and warm. Oh, no, because then you've got nowhere to go. No. Because you can't warm yourself well, up. Well, you're going to be drenched in sweat and your sure. base layer is going to And get then wet. when you get to the top, then you've got something to layer yeah. up on and it's constantly on and off, on and off. And it's hard work, but it's, but if you get it right, right. with the right kit, yeah. it's a beautiful experience. And as you said, there is no, there's no thing as bad weather, bad kit. And I think in that professional market, particularly when you are working for long hours and even you know, living in those conditions, it's critical to have kit that works. Yeah. Um, I know one of the questions you were going to ask me was about... I was just going to get onto that. ...about the brands and stuff. Yeah. And I think for me, I mean, I've got my favourite brands. Um, I'll name them if you want me to. Yeah, but, but I mean, but for me, the number one question is, does it work? Yeah. I don't care if it looks like a, a sweat, you know, a, a tracksuit from the 1980s. I'll wear it yeah. if it works. If it works. If in it's that the right condition. thing. Yeah. If it does look super cool at the same time, yeah, it's a bonus. that's a massive bonus. Yeah. But I, I will spend good money on kit that works. And it's interesting with um, some of the celebs that we've worked with over the years, they've got affiliations with mm. kit companies. So we get given kit. And we will wear that kit quite often, even those of us you know, who are yeah. behind, because especially if we're going to trash it, yeah. it's not our kit. It's not your right? stuff, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. we wear it, we trash it, we go bushwhacking, yeah. it gets torn to pieces, whatever, we don't care. Um, but it's quite interesting because when you go to an environment where it gets really serious all our own gear comes, comes out, out because yeah. we know and we trust it. Yeah. I mean, my, my favorite brands are Arc'teryx, uh, Mountain Equipment. I love Fuel Raven as yeah. well because all those brands are kind of built in situ. Yeah. I mean, I've got my puffer here is... Uh, yeah, what you're wearing. So you've got your Fuel Raven kegs on. Yeah. You've got your Yotnar jacket. You've got yeah. Arc'teryx Gilet on. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah walk, walking brand yeah walking brand which which i love but again i mean my, in fact my favorite bit of kit ever is the gilet and the reason being is because it keeps your core warm yeah while you've got all still the freedom action. of movement in yeah. the arms and i'm not yeah. necessarily well i am climbing often with yeah. work but even just for camera it's work. a very underrated bit of kit the oh, old gilet it's amazing yeah. i love it i love them in fact, my wife always says to me when I leave the door for a job, she says, have you got your gilet? Because I've had a couple of times <laughs> where I've panicked because, you know, I mean, look, I could leave my mobile phone, yeah. but I can't leave my gilet. Because no. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, if I've got my gilet, I know I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. We, we, in Trek, it's like you always try to educate people about kit. And sometimes people just don't get, get the whole gilet. You know, they want a big jacket on under, underneath yeah, the sham yeah, yeah. or something. But no, gilet yeah. It's a great bit. Of yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you know the whole thing about layering is obvi it's obvious, and it's like an old story that everybody knows or most people know, but about layering up and layering down. But things like not you know you see people who have a waterproof jacket on, and then they get cold, so they put a puffer over their waterproof yeah. jacket, and then yeah, you know, that's yeah. not going to work. No. It's not built like that. Yeah. So the understanding of what breathes and what doesn't, and put the you know, yeah, the, the I, I think as well over. sometimes you can be a little bit guilty of. Uh, being a bit complacent, yeah, or or you just take for granted that you know so much about kit because you've been exposed to it for so many years. Mm. You know, been in the industry for a, a long, long time, and you just have this inbuilt knowledge about what is the right stuff. But a lot sure. of people just don't do no. that, and no. it's becoming harder, I think, for people to understand and get that knowledge unless you're exposed to, you know, like say maybe former military people or you've been through the scouting movement yeah. or. Or, or some other, uh, you know, outdoor adventurous movement. It's difficult for people to really comprehend how important really good kit is. Yeah, you know, you know, totally. you're you're out there in in, you know, you're you're putting your kit through uh, in in one shoot, probably more than what most people will put through in yeah, a lifetime. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 so it has and, to be and good. At, and at home, I've got my systems laid out. I love a system. <laughs> Because as a cameraman, you have to have a system. Right. Because if you, you you can miss the tiniest bit of kit in while you're packing, and that could that could jeopardise the entire shoot. Yeah. Unless you can get another one, which you probably can't in. No, what? up a volcano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at home, I've got boxes. I've got warm weather, cold weather, right. you know, jungle. Yeah. I've got all these different boxes full of that particular kit. Okay. So and, and things I love are things like a sweat rag. Mm -hmm. We can get these. Um, I mean, I buy them. I mean, it's literally a rag. It's yeah. like a thin bit of kind of cotton. And I, I get these ex-American military ones um, or military-grade ones from Silverman's. Do you know Silverman's? Yeah, you know no, Silverman's. In London. Yeah. Because yeah. when I used to live in London, I used to go there regularly. Um, and yeah, you can use it as a, you can use it as a, um, you know, a head scar. I often, in the jungle, I've always got it round, kind yeah. of Rambo Just style. Sweat running into your yeah, eyes when you're filming. because it works. You know, yeah. lots of people laugh. Lo loads yeah. of the celebs, like Fred, when he first saw me do it, he goes, all right, all right, yeah, Mongo, yeah. all right. <laughs> Mongo's turned into Rambo, sort of thing. But, but then, by the end of it, he's doing it. Yeah. Because he realizes it works. Yeah. Or you can use it as, you know, sweat bands. You know, when I'm holding the camera and I'm climbing, I don't yeah. want to sweat. So I put it around there or... Um, or, or you can use it to wash your face, wipe your ass, you yeah. know, wh whatever you want. Um, the other thing you want to do, you want to make sure you do those things in the right <laughs> order. That's right. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't do yeah. It the other way around. Well, it depends if you want camera. <laughs> um, and then um, the other thing I swear by is always taking some paracord. Okay. Uh, yeah. Paracord and gaffer tape. Decent amount. Yeah, we take gaffer tape anyway. Yeah. I, I think gaffer tape's good. I think there's a thing called tenacious tape. Yeah. 
That's better. Yeah. For for clothing. Yeah, yeah. Tenacious yeah, tape. Yeah, I've, I've been Gore-Tex with tenacious yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, some of my some of my waterproof kit is just it's literally looks more like patches. Than, yeah, yeah, <laughs> more yeah. patches than yeah, fabric. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's unbelievable. That's badges of honour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but paracord. It can be a belt. It can be laces. It can be a uh, washing line. Yeah. Fishing fishing line. Yeah. Whatever you want. It's just yeah. brilliant. Um, yeah. So little things like that are my go tos for kit but yeah but i think i mean I, i'm always one for i will always spend money not for the sake of it but i want the best kit well yeah you, you do unfortunately buy cheap you buy twice yeah buy cheap buy twice or yeah pays your money takes your choice whatever whichever you want to do it but yeah absolutely there is a there is a definite correlation between the amount of money you spend and the quality of the kit yeah yeah in yeah. most cases yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you, you know you can replace a kind of a, a, a gorgeous art Terex Atom SL with a woolly jumper. Mm. You know, you can you can compromise on some things. <laughs> um, but the fundamentals, like your base layers, you yeah, know, yeah, sort of yeah. talks about, you know, chilling off and not yeah. getting cold and the right layers and a decent set of waterproofs. You know, mm. you just... And boots. Oh, I boots. mean, footwear, I've got... Oh, don't get me started. I've got an obscene <laughs> amount of footwear, as I'm sure you'll have. <laughs> yeah. But, but as I say to my wife, I have to justify it. I can justify it better than Hershey's. <laughs> All her <laughs> shoes. She goes, well, if I go out there and there yeah. and there and there. And then you look, you look at the amount of leather on those shoes that she's got. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how much they cost. And then you look yeah. at yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it just doesn't. Yeah yeah. 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 So everything from, you know, to always toe-proof, toe-protected sandals for rivers, you know, to five tens for, you know, bouldering. Yeah. To proper big um, La Sportiva mountain boots. All the way up, jungle, jungle boots, Altberg jungle boots. Right. I've you know I've I've tried them all, and I've got my favourites, and they're the ones that I'll take into. It's a my very brand. personal thing, footwear, though, isn't it? It's, yeah. You know, we, we get asked a lot. You know, what's the best footwear? Yeah. And kind of the stock stock replies is, is what what's suited to purpose. Yeah. And fits you properly. That's right. You know, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Uh, it's like know, a crash it's helmet, isn't it? Yeah. It's, oh, my yeah. mate always wears Mindles. Yeah, but he's he's got little, he's got massive wide feet, and yeah, you've got yeah. little skinny feet. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, not going to yeah. work for sure. you. Sure. So it's one of those things you just got to, it's almost a trial and error, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also it's understanding where you're going. Yeah. So some of the jungle boots that we wear with the Panama soles are no good on wet rock. Right. So if you're going in and out or if you're specifically hanging out around a river with slippery rocks, mm -hmm. it, you'll break your neck. Um, but if you're in a muddy kind of som like experience in Panama or something, they're perfect. Yeah. So it's about understanding where you're going. I think I think the same with mountain. I think it's it's easy to think, I want those really oh. sexy looking, yeah, yeah. you know, B threes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But the reality is, I don't really need them. They're yeah. too heavy. They're they're yeah. not they're not they're too stiff. Yeah. You know, well, you're yomping across bogs yeah. rather than you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, toe yeah. kicking up the front totally. of a coal totally. or something. Yeah, yeah. totally. So um, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, I, I love it. I mean, and you know, walking into your shop today, it's like, I just love, I love mountain shops. I can always feel my credit card like burning a hole <laughs> yeah, in my back pocket. it's trying to leap out your back yeah. pocket. But the worst thing is for me is I can justify it. You try, working, just think, you try working in it yeah, every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, ma ma maybe that would cure me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that would cure my addiction. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> no. I've, got a, I've got a cupboard full of jackets. Have you? Stretchy yeah, yeah. black jackets is my thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's it. laughs> just got... I don't know. I, I, we're we're doing some work to the house, and my wife's having a little bit of a declutter. 
oh, you can't throw that jacket out. No. But you hardly wear it. Yeah, but when I do wear it, yeah. it's exactly the right one. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and it's like sure. I've almost got like a jacket for every possible scenario of environment and weather. Yeah. You know. But that's a necessity, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, it is, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's not just choice. That, that is honestly having the right tool for the job. Yeah. If you look at if you go to a building site and you see a carpenter, You'll see, you know, they won't just have a saw and a hammer. They'll yeah. have a saw, hammer, plane, yeah. know, circular saw, jigsaw, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. they need it for that job, and yeah. it just makes it efficient and it works. Oh, you should it's speak to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I will give me a number. Yeah. No, but I, I think you know, kit is essential. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've we've based our whole career on it. So yeah, uh, good on you. people like you, yeah, yeah. kit junkies, yeah, yeah, yeah. that have kept us in business. Yeah. So thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Right, I've got a few little um, little quickfire questions here. Yeah. Just thought we'd mix it up a bit because, I mean, it's uh, it's it's been it's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant talking to you. And you've, good. you've obviously led an incredibly, uh, incredible life. Uh, and one I should think that most people are incredibly jealous of. Yeah, and, uh, I know, I know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, but as I said earlier, I, I really don't take it for granted. I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. And I try and share it, hopefully not out of bragging sort of thing or making or belittling others, but by kind of encouraging people and inspiring yeah. people to say, this is what you can do. I often yeah. say, yeah, when I did my books, I, I, um, I wrote a couple of books. And when I did those, I, um, I did a speaking tour around schools. And so many kids put their hand up and would say, you know, did you go to university? Yeah. And I'd like, well, no, I kind of look at the teacher kind of yeah. going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say, no, I didn't no, go to no. university. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but what I mean is, if had I had the brains, I would have gone to university yeah. and I still probably would have found my path doing whatever. But even without the brains, I still found this incredible life to live and the career and it pays well as well. So it's yeah. double whammy, isn't it? So, you know, just because you haven't been given certain things. Yeah, my, my, my dad, uh, even though my grandparents were adventurous, yeah, my dad loved to go walk in the Lake District, but that was it. Yeah. He wasn't like a hardcore pro kind of out there outdoorsman. But I found that that was me. Yeah, That's well what you floated my boat. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you talked about this earlier, didn't you? I mean, you, you identified what you were good at. Yeah. And you p yeah. pursued it with tenacity yeah, yeah you know yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. the trick is, is not giving up isn't it no that's right you know we you know i i had no formal education and ended up running a multi-million pound business yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so yeah. you, you find things that you're good at yeah and and you just get on with it yeah and i think right. not giving up and plowing on jfdi all those all those little things What's jfdi just do it oh, okay I like <laughs> it. just flip in do it just flip in do yeah, it yeah. yeah that was one we used a lot at Trekker, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like just do it, have a go. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, what's the worst that can happen? That, that's exactly my mantra. And my, my other mantra is keep it simple. Yeah. Just you know, stick to one path, have a go, yeah. and just see what happens. You know. Do what you're good at and do it well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. No, it's it's uh, it's it's good life lessons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Go on, then, so quick favorite fire. favorite hill snack. Ah, oh, dead easy. Um, we work often in the Dolomites in Italy. Okay. Um, love the Dolomites. And this place where we stay, which is called the Joe Rayner Family Hotel. The Rayner Family Hotel is an amazing place. But they send us out on the, in our day, uh, at, the, at the start of the day, with a little plastic bag. And they just have a kind of saucisson, <laughs> sausage stick, yeah. and a bit of cheese. Salami and cheese. That's it. Alpine snacks. Favourite Classic. I, I love it. Oh, I lived on it. I went to... Um, I went to the Pat Little John School of Mountaineering yeah, for yeah. my 
I guess it's my 40th actually. I right. think it was my 40th a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, we lived on salami <sighs> and cheese Best thing. all day, yeah. every day when we yeah. were climbing. Yeah. Just brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's lightweight to carry, yeah. but it's so tasty. Yeah. And it gives you the energy. Well, you yeah, need. you've got the fats in the cheese and Perfect. everything. Yeah. 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 It's great. All right. So if you weren't a cameraman living this adventurous life, what would you be doing? Um, I studied, I ended up studying fine art. Right. Um, in between kind of leaving school and doing, uh, starting with Simon. Um, so I may have ended up doing something art, arty, um, although I would have loved to have joined the Royal Marines. Right. And yeah. that's a reg that's probably the only regret I've got, is doing a spell in the yeah. Royal Marines. But um, fortunately, I was able to do lots of stuff like them and with them. Yeah. But not having to go and shoot anyone. <laughs> yeah, which is great. get shot. I still shoot. Oh, I, think, I yeah, still yeah. shoot, but I shoot yeah. with the camera, not a gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you could live anywhere, money, no object, to, you know, just ignore all uh, kind of physical restrictions or what have you. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Um, probably the South Island of New Zealand. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I think it's like heaven on earth. I might be going there next year. Oh, really? Have yeah. you never been? No. Oh, dude, you—it will change your life. Yeah. You may never come back. There's a place. There's a place called Wanaka, um, which is like there's Queenstown, then there's the uh, I can't remember what it's called, the Crown Pass, I think it is, and then you've got Lake Wanaka. Right. It is just heaven on earth, and and I was shooting there with Bear for uh, I think well quite a few weeks actually, maybe three to six weeks or something, and we're doing this thing called Get Out Alive for the Americans. And then we had a day off, and my um, sound man, Shirley, uh, is his nickname, obviously. We hired two BMW GSs, right. motorbikes, yeah, yeah. and we took off just on a day off. And we just rode for like eight hours nonstop around the South Island. And it's snow peak mountains yeah, down to glacial should, lakes, yeah. beautiful roads, no speed cameras, um, really lovely people. Well, yeah, my, my niece... Hannah, hello Hannah, if you're listening. She's getting married to a Kiwi from the oh South right. Island and we might go out there oh, and go and see it. She's a sensible girl. She is. Yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the obviously rugby connection. <laughs> but you know, we just take the mick out of each other. Yeah, but rather the all blacks than the Aussies. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, well I'm a Wales fan, so oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe we're a bit of a torrid time. Are you moment. Welsh? Uh I I, I I identify as Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Welsh. That's classic. I'm, I'm English. Why do you support Wales then? I've lived in Wales longer than anywhere. Oh, okay. And I just love the passion of the Welsh. Good on rugby. you. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. And my, my kids are Welsh. Yeah, right. They're good. born in Abergavenny. Oh, I appreciate that. So uh, I still hope we beat you. but Well, you probably will this year. <laughs> yeah. We're well, I don't know. There's lots, of, lots of changes. <laughs> there's afoot, lots of changes. Isn't there? <laughs> a lot of changes. We, we can't do a rugby club podcast. No. We can't, we can't go no, down no. that rabbit Not hole. another one. Not another one. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of those there. Car or motorbike? Uh, well, for me, it has to be both. Right. But four by four. For fun. Oh. oh. I mean, I love them both. It's really, it's really <laughs> difficult. I've always had Land Rovers and BMW GSs. Um, I look motorbike for blasting around it's got the a hills. Motorbike, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah, you know, yeah. Land Rovers are, are great, yeah. utilitarian, yeah, yeah. and all sure. that. But you can't really have a fun drive in a Land Rover. No, I, I, well, I love the. Well, adrenaline. you can off-road. Yeah, 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 I love the yeah. adrenaline of a motorbike yeah. and just the sense of being out there yeah. in the elements. You yeah. can't beat it, can you? Yeah, and then my brother, who's uh, 
who used to run Trek it with me, he's a big motorbike fan. Is he? And he yeah. had a GS and yeah, absolutely yeah. loved it. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a big bloke, they're big bikes, yeah. but they're so well engineered and balanced. And, and they do everything. Oh, everything. I mean, like, I mean, I've got a Discovery 4. Right. Like the old Discovery yeah. 4. And it, they're just, it's the best car I've ever had because it's luxury, as in it's super comfortable, mm. but it still has the, it still has the capabilities of a Defender. Yeah. And I did a commercial with Bear and Johnny Wilkinson, actually, for Land Rover. And there was an engineer there from Land Rover who'd been there for 30 years. And I said to him, you know, what do you think about the new Defender, yeah. obviously? And that was just before, just when it was coming out. Yeah. And he said, he said, it's good, but he said, that car you've got there, your Disco 4, oh. is the best car we ever built. Yeah. And he said, the new Defender is pretty much a Disco sh- uh, chassis with a new top right. put on it. Yeah. So I was like, yes. I was going to ask yeah. you about the, the, what, what you thought about the new Defender. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like it. I mean, Bear had one for a while. Yeah. And he gets, he got, he's got this deal with Land Rover. <laughs> so he gets a lot of cars for nothing. Um, the That's best a hard ones. life. Yeah. Um, but he lent me his for a, a, a week um, when he got it, his new one, because he knows I love them. And it, it was nice. I mean, it was mm. a bit of a whale compared with really? the disco. Yeah, it's a big. I mean, his, he he had like the, the long wheelbase the one, the top. Yeah, the top um, top spec one, and it was almost too clever. Yeah. So the first thing I did was I pulled over into layby and I switched off, off all the automatic <laughs> yeah, yeah. things. Then yeah. it became a car again. Then I really enjoyed it. The thing that cracks me up about them is those lunch boxes they stick on the side. I know. It's weird, <laughs> What's isn't all it? that about? I know. Yeah. I know. Well, it keeps your sandwiches cool, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's just to put your money in because you've obviously got so much. <laughs> so you can much. Store of it in your car. <laughs> yeah. Full of fifty pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To wash it with. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdest thing you've ever eaten on a trip? A uh, dog's penis. Oh, dog's penis. Yeah. Harry's cracking up over there. Was it still attached to the dog? No. Well, (laughs) I'll tell you a few things. Number one, thankfully, it wasn't attached to the dog. Number two, very grateful, it wasn't a Great Dane. Yeah. And number three, it definitely definitely didn't taste like chicken. (laughs) No, I mean, the the story is in brief. We're at a, in the same place where I learned about coming down the hill um, with this tribe up in Vietnam. And they had a wedding going on. And one of the things which was meant to be an aphrodisiac was a dog's dick. So they got it, peeled it like a banana. Once the dog was yeah, yeah, yeah. taken care of. Yeah. And then passed it around. And Do you think they might have actually been just been taking the mickey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is our local Look delicacy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, they ate it as well. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was extraordinary. Chewy. <laughs> Never again. Never again. Never peanut again. butter or jam? Oh, nice one. Peanut butter. Yeah. Crunchy. Crunchy. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Every time. Oh, really? Yeah. It says a lot. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So I've got gaps in my teeth. <laughs> Get the bits stuck in my teeth. Oh, <laughs> crunchy peanut butter. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Great. Thank you. What are you writing, Harry? Harry's given me the double thumbs up look. Good. Which is always good. Well, I'm, I'm going to sign off. Because I've run out of questions, and we have been talking for a very long time yeah, without good. a break. Yeah, 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 Harry yeah. did promise us a break, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd rather not do it with a break. I mean, no. it's, it's it's just lovely, isn't it, having a chat? It's great. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's like we were saying earlier. It's, it's about people, isn't it? And you know, totally. It's uh, it's totally. been it's been a real pleasure to meet you. Good. Oh, I hope so. It's yeah, been yeah, a, it's, it's been great fun. Yeah. Uh, you're a really interesting and uh, 
inspirational guy. Yeah, good, and thank uh, you. long may it continue for yeah, you. And, and really appreciate you coming in today to talk to us. Really my pleasure. Good. Yeah. So, uh, so that's it. So thanks to everybody for listening. I think we're up to six now. Seven, isn't it? Seven. It might be this seven. This is number seven, isn't it? No, I was, thinking, I was thinking number of people listening I was talking about. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Six? That's amazing. I know. That's amazing. So that's my mum, your mum. Uh, <laughs> no, not my mum, no. Uh, yeah, anyway, thanks very much, all seven of you, for listening out there. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, Mungo. Thank you once again, and uh, let's hope you all join in for our next episode. I don't know what it's going to be. Harry will inform me at some point, I'm sure, but uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe. You know what to do. And uh, as usual, toodaloo.